welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. It's really good to be with you online as well. There might be some people away in the bank holiday or watching. Hi. Um, so it's the, the last Sunday in August, the last weekend of the, of the summer as we move into the new season that Andrew is talking about in September and, of course, the last in our sermon series on Proverbs. But has it been like an amazing series? Like, I don't know about you, but I have gained so much from the wisdom that's been preached out of this amazing book. You know, at times, listening to what God's got to say about um, relationships or work or temptation, our worst finances, anger last week. You know, it's really felt like a long, cool drink on a summer's day or like a really good, tasty, wholesome meal. You know, God's wisdom nourishes and refreshes our souls. Um, you know, and I've been really pondering on that hunger that I felt for more of God's wisdom and I've been feeling, you know, what is it about these wise sayings, you know, these, these golden nuggets of wisdom that's really captivated me? And, you know, I, I think it's got to do with the fact that they reveal more of God's nature, of his, of his character. Because as we learned right at the beginning of the series, wisdom is an attribute, isn't it, of God's character. And, you know, when we want to... Um, seek out some advice or wisdom in some area of our lives, we choose to go to someone who we respect and admire, don't we? Someone who's got experience in that area that we might be lacking, who's lived through it, but also who we've seen has grown in character through that, lived through it. And we recognise that and we will say, how did you do that? I might ask Cap about finances or Rosie and Andrew about a leadership situation because we recognise the character in that and we want to, we aspire to be like that. Um, and, you know, I think that that's got something to do with the way that wisdom in, in, in Proverbs reveals something about God's nature to us. I think that that's what I'm really hungry for. It's like, Lord, what does this wisdom reveal about who you are? How can I be more like that? That's the, the, the sense I've been getting. And all this links into what I want to explore a little bit as we come to the end of this series. Right at the beginning of the series, the very first introduction, Ruth introduced the book and touched on something that really, really captivated me. And it really got, got me thinking deeply and asking the Lord about it. Um, and we find it in, in other places, among other places, in Proverbs 9, 10. And it says this, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So she touched on what the fear of the Lord was. And it caught my attention and really made me want to chase it down. So that's what I have been doing. And that's what I want to explore with you a little bit, in a little bit more length today. So we're going to look at this. We're going to look at what is the fear of the Lord. We're going to look at what happens when we really establish that in our hearts. 
We're going to look at what happens when you don't have it. And we are also going to look at how can we follow Jesus' example of living out the fear of the Lord. So the first one, what is the fear of the Lord? So we've learned some things, haven't we? We learned that wisdom is a relationship word, that uh, one of its meanings is that the heart relationship of knowing a person deeply and out of that intimacy and love, gaining knowledge. So the fear of the Lord is getting an image of who God rightly is. It's getting an image of who God rightly is. And we know if we have the right image of who God is because we will have a reverence and awe when we come before him. And why is that important? Well, because when we come to the Lord and we come with reverence and awe, understanding who he really is, then all of our interactions with him start with who he is and not with who we are and what we want. It's a much better way around. Proverbs 22.4 tells us that humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honour and life. True humility is understanding who we are in relation to God. And that does not mean being completely terrified of him. You know, Jesus tells us about in in, in the parable of the talents about the fearful servant who had the wrong idea about who his master was and was afraid of him and went and hid his master's gold in the ground and it remained unprofitable and it bore no fruit. You know, that's not... That's the wrong idea of who God is. The rightful fear of the Lord means having the respect and awe of God that's due him as the creator of the vast universe in relation to us who are merely his creation. You know, as I spoke to the Lord about this preach, and I, I asked him, you know, Lord, what is it that you want me to bring across? What is it that you want me to say? And he started talking to me about the fact that when something is really, really beautiful, we absolutely naturally want to respect it, okay? So I picked this, I cut this from my garden this morning. Can you see that? Isn't that lovely? It's a really beautiful rose. It's not one of my ones that smell which is slightly disappointing, but it's still, look at it. It's really, really beautiful. So if I start... pulling it apart a bit... I know. Look at your faces. Yeah. hard isn't it how did that make you feel when I did that did that make you feel quite uncomfortable you know we know instinctively that if something is beautiful it deserves respect don't we we know that we want to treasure it we feel it deserves to be treasured and we don't want to see it hurt or damaged. That's really difficult, because if something is being destroyed, it's usually an indication that its beauty 
has not been valued or recognised. So what if to beauty we add absolute holiness and to that we add complete power and authority and to that we add the very source of all life and love and grace and mercy so many aspects of God which deserve our undivided focus and attention. You know, if we find it uncomfortable when the, the beauty of one small flower is not respected, how much more should we respect the creator of that flower? How much more uncomfortable should we feel when his beauty and his holiness is not being respected. You know, this respect and awe we feel welling up when we speak about how wonderful our Lord is, is what the fear of the Lord is. So what happens when we establish it in our hearts? The recognition of the vastness of God should be the beginning of all the decisions that we make. As well as telling us that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, the Bible also speaks about the other benefits. We just heard in Proverbs 22.4 that it can lead to riches, honour and life. And the idea of the fear of the Lord being life-giving is repeated in Proverbs. So 14.27 says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning a person from the snares of death. 1923 says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. 1027 says, the fear of the Lord adds length to life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So far from being stress-inducing, you know, the idea of being terrified to death, Actually, shortening our lives, this fear is life-lengthening. It leads to our thriving. And the Bible also tells us about the security that can be found in fearing the Lord. So 14.26 tells us, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. And 23, 17 to 18 says, Do not let your hearts envy sinners, but always be zealous for the fear of the Lord. There is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. So there's a sense in that last verse, isn't there, that the fear of the Lord is something that needs to be pursued as much as felt. We need to be zealous for it. It's something we should eagerly desire and it gives us security and future hope. But you know, the fear of the Lord is not really just exclusive to, to Proverbs. Psalm 112 and 128 speak of the blessing that comes from fearing the Lord. We got those Psalms ones that come up. There you go. Psalms 112. Psalms 128, thank you. 
um, it reminds, um, it speaks of the blessing that comes and also how it leads into obedience. It reminds me of when Jesus said in 14, John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. When it comes to God, we demonstrate our love and respect in obedience. So in Exodus, when Moses brings the Ten Commandments down the mountain and the people see all the smoke and the lightning and thunder and are frightened, he says to them, don't be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of the Lord will be with you to keep you from sinning. So the fear of the Lord leads us to obedience and holiness, something that God desires for us so that we're going to thrive in all areas of our lives. So wisdom, abundant life, security, blessing, obedience, holiness. Like who wouldn't aspire to have these shaping our, our lives, shaping our stories? But what happens when we don't have it? What happens when we don't have it? If these are the consequences of having like a healthy fear of the Lord, what does it look like when we don't have that? When we don't have the right understanding and image of who God is? Well, one of the consequences is we start to look for our influence and wisdom and comfort from other sources and often in all the wrong places. So we see this huge desire, don't we, in people who want to follow someone or some, someone when we go online. So in social media, I know you were aware of this, that there are the people who actually make their living from being influencers. And um, people want to follow them. You know, and these, these guys can rack up millions of followers, can't they? Um, people who aspire to be like them. Um, but also, I'm sure that you've heard or read about how these pressures can affect the influencer themselves, actually, and that pressure for them to live their best lives and, and, and look like, at least look like they are online, um, so people will continue to follow them when the reality of their lives can be very different to their online story. You know, as human beings, we all need an image to step into. And if that isn't driven by our relationship with the one true God, then we can get ourselves into all sorts of mess. And I should know. When I was a teenager, before I was a Christian, you know, I really struggled with my identity, as many teenagers do. I didn't want to be like my boring, church-going parents I wanted to be my own person. And um, so I was attracted to anything that was different to what they stood for, okay? So I started being drawn into the whole goth scene with its clothing and music, trying to establish my identity and image in that. And for those of you who are unaware of what this might have looked like in the 80s, here's an image of one of my favorite bands at the time. It should be coming up right now, I think. Oh, we don't have... Do you know what? I will show you, because I have one. Let me show you this. It's, I'm so glad that I have my iPad with me in there. Here we go. Yeah. So this, 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 this person here is Robert Smith. That's who I aspire to be like. So, you know, my hair was... They, 
there you go. There's the cure. So my hair was spiked up. My makeup was loud. My wardrobe was black. And you know what? That's not so much a problem in and of itself, because like some of my really, really dear, dear friends are all about the goth aesthetic, and that's fine. What was not fine was the attitude of my heart and what went along with that. That was, that was what the problem was. And so what has this got to do with the fear of the Lord? Well, when we look elsewhere for an image to inhabit, away from Jesus, this affects our perspective too. So my lack of fear of the Lord, I, I kind of did believe in God, but he just had no relevance to me. Um, it it led, leads to, to a couple of things. First, a mockery of Jesus. And also, for me, it led to a terrible, petrifying fear of the enemy. So not caring about God meant that in my heart, I actually mocked those who did. And in doing so, became really quite hard of heart, scorning and pretty mean, actually. I can remember being... This is, this, I was a real angsty teenager, okay? I can remember being annoyed by people who were happy <laughs> and even taking the mickey out of them. Oh, I was really particularly mean to my little sister who'd always followed the Lord and I was also with my school friends super embarrassed that my parents loved Jesus and I even found the name Jesus embarrassing to say. I mocked those who I saw as being a bit silly over Jesus. You know, that, that was me stamping on a rose. Not loving God can lead us into not loving people, even those closest to us, and it can lead us into not loving ourselves. I felt I was so cool and untouchable, but in reality, I was opening myself up to the enemy to self-hatred and self-destructive thought patterns. I actually didn't want to live into old age, believing that the lie that it was better to live fast and die young. I had no hope for my future. The opposite of the security promised in Proverbs, the opposite of the life-giving fear of the Lord that the Bible tells us about. I was making foolish decisions, doing foolish things, and actually just not liking myself because of it. Having the wrong image of God leads us into having the wrong image of ourselves. And this is what I've learned through bitter experience. The ultimate trap of the enemy is to get us to think that freedom is going our own way and creating our own image when in fact we're falling for his. And then there's the fear. And I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. I had a fear, but it was a fear of the supernatural, uh, specifically the evil supernatural. So a heart-stopping, cold, gripping fear. The sort of fear the enemy absolutely loves us to have of him. In fact, I was... It was a fear of the enemy that actually led me into asking Jesus into my life because I knew, even in my backslidden ways, that he had authority over the spirits that were haunting me. And one of the first things I did when I'd invited Jesus to be Lord of my life was to take authority 
over an evil presence that was in my bedroom and send it packing. Having a healthy fear of the Lord, knowing his power and his authority combats the paralyzing fears that we have of other things. He sends them packing. When people don't truly understand who God is, when they don't have the right image of him and therefore don't have the right reverence and awe, um, like a bit like the unprofitable servant that I mentioned earlier, this paralyzing fear can also be of God himself, actually. So he might be perceived to be uncaring and judgmental, a stern, uncompromising head teacher, an unrelenting force at odds with our freedom and free will, against whose whims and moods we are powerless victims. But you know, Jesus is the true image bearer, both of God and of ourselves. We look to him to understand who God is. He's the lens through which we view God in all his glory, to understand the beauty of his love and his grace and his mercy and his sacrifice, his perfect fatherhood, his majesty and holiness. Through the Son, we're drawn to the beauty of the Father. But you know, we also look to him to see the image that we were meant to bear, who we were meant to be. I was not meant to be mean and scorning and full of fear, self-loathing and despair. My walk with Jesus has shown me how to be kind and compassionate, to love who he created me to be. And to live with freedom and a hope for the future. You know, Jesus is someone of complete integrity who is really worth following and being influenced by, who not only wants us to, to, to inspire us with his story, but delights to be an integral part of ours. Jesus is the security, the faithful and solid foundation on which we stand. And so how can we follow Jesus' example of living with the fear of the Lord? Well, what about him? What about him? How did he demonstrate living with the fear of the Lord? You know, there's this passage in the Old Testament that reveals something of that. It's a really beautiful passage in, in Isaiah. Isaiah 11, 1 to 3, it says this. It says, a shoot will come up from the branch of, of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus delighted in the fear of the Lord. He delighted in putting God first in all things, knowing God deeply as his loving father, putting his father's will right at the center of his life in all things. In doing this, he was able to see into the heart of every issue with God's wisdom and understanding and perspective. He was able to judge situations and people rightly, regardless of what it looked like on the outside. 
He was able to make decisions perfectly in line with the will of God. He was not held back by distractions and temptations of the enemy, by what other people might think or the comforts that the world might have to offer. Such was his knowledge and understanding of the majesty and might of God. Nothing, nothing else would come before him. His fear of the Lord gave him total kingdom freedom. And he set the example for us to follow. If we choose to pursue it and set the fear of the Lord into our own hearts, we will have access to the same clarity and power and, of course, the same wisdom and understanding. We have access to to wisdom, abundant life, security, blessing, obedience, holiness. You know, I came across this great quotation this week from a a pastor and and theologian um, called uh, Frederick uh, Buchner. He said this, he said, the final secret, I think, is this. The words, you shall love the Lord your God, become in the end less a command than a promise. Isn't that beautiful? So as we close this this series on, on wisdom, let's be encouraged. Let's really hunger after knowing the true character of God with ever deeper revelation, putting him central to our lives, loving him to the extent that we might not be able to stop ourselves from falling on our knees in reverence and awe. Shall we pray? Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.